1: Today we've got some great food related revenge stories. We'll get into that in a bit but first, ex tried to access my bank account and got embarrassed instead. This was years ago. My divorce was very ugly. My ex committed credit card fraud, falsified evidence, hacked my email account, broke into my home and stole my safe, etc. I got a notice from my bank that someone had tried to access an old bank account that only he knew about i was pretty angry and called the bank requested that there be no internet access to that account at all then i went to an adult toy website and asked for a physical catalog to be sent to his name but his next door neighbor's address i'm sure the catalog arrived with a brown paper cover i mean i'm willing to bet that if they did send a catalog from something like that it probably was a bit obscured Do things like that really send it so openly and blatantly? Like, does the mail person delivering the mail have to just handle seeing these blatant covers and things? I suppose. I suppose a lot of adult magazines, they don't come in any bags or anything, so I guess. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is Grumpy Father-in-Law Gets More Mugs Than He Can Handle. Background, my, female, 32, father-in-law, 67, is a stereotypical grumpy old man. My husband, 33, says that his father wasn't always like this, but the years have turned him sour. My father-in-law is always complaining about something, constantly going on right-wing political tangents, always inserting his opinion even if he isn't involved in the conversation, and constantly whining that my husband and I never make time for him, despite having him over for dinner every other week. My husband tolerates but doesn't entertain his grumpiness. I handle it like I would handle an incoherent toddler and just reply, wow, what an interesting thing to say, and then move along the conversation as if he weren't there. Recently, my husband and I completely reorganized our kitchen. As most people do, we had far too many coffee mugs. We decided to get rid of half of them, about 17, so we put them in a box and set them aside to be donated. That evening, father-in-law came over for dinner and noticed the box of mugs by the front door. When he asked about it, we just said that we had too many and needed to get rid of some. He immediately started rambling on about how wasteful our generation is. How we use something for 30 seconds and then throw it away. How his generation would always use an item until it fell apart and then they would mend the item and keep on using it. He finished it off by saying that someone his age would never consider discarding perfectly good items like that. I just responded with, okay, and continued on getting dinner ready without addressing it further. Well, this last weekend, we had our Christmas celebration with my husband's family. We celebrated early due to multiple family members going out of state for Christmas. We enjoyed our evening despite a few grumblings from my father-in-law. Towards the end of the night, we all exchanged gifts. That was when my father-in-law opened a big box of 17 used coffee mugs. He looked at my husband with a confused look on his face, so my husband said, You were so vocal about how we shouldn't get rid of perfectly good mugs, so we decided to gift them to you since you clearly wanted them. My father-in-law started making excuses about how he didn't need that many, and how he already had mugs and doesn't have the space to keep them. My husband just shrugged and said, I'm sure you'll find something to do with them. Your generation is very resourceful. It's only been two days since he got his new mug collection, but he's called my husband and me seven times, trying to convince us to take back the mugs. All I've said was, it would be wasteful for us to take them back. Thank you so much for saving the perfectly good mugs. Now, if they go radio silent about those mugs, and it seems like they most likely either toss them, or were good enough in their hearts to donate them like OP was intending to do, that's when you don't relent and you keep asking them about how they're liking those mugs. What are they doing with them? What great use did they find for all 17 of those mugs? Our next story is Cracker Barrel. This was like 10 years ago. I needed a job really bad and was in a bad financial situation. Anyways, I got a job at Cracker Barrel as a cook. I asked for a full-time position and got it. I was working breakfast shift, literally flipping eggs non-stop. This store was extremely busy and would make like 2,000 an hour in sales back then. What I didn't like about the job was, let's say my schedule was 8 to 5 or 6 to 3, I would always get sent home 2 or 3 hours early. Not only me, but everyone else was the same way. Due to the kitchen being mostly pre-made food, once it slows down, managers would cut most cooks and keep 2 to 3 people, and they would hop in if needed they had like so many managers and all they cared was having labor costs down so they would get fat bonuses. I was getting sick of it, waking up early in the morning to only work 4-5 to hours and sent home. It just wasn't worth it. My paychecks after working 25-30 to hours was not enough to cover the basis. One night some of my friends were going to the casino and I tagged along. I think I had only like $80 with me and hit the jackpot on one of the slot machines. This was on a Saturday night next day i had a shift and decided to do no call no show since i made enough money to cover my butt for a few months the jerk manager kept blowing up my phone in the morning i finally answered while half asleep and told him i wasn't coming and i quit He raised his voice saying, how could I quit on a busy day like Mother's Day? And I was the only person that can handle the egg station and how I would never be able to work at another Cracker Barrel store again. I told him, since you guys want to save on labor so much, here's a chance. It's just always incredibly funny to me to see managers in positions that are like, you'll never work at another Cracker Barrel again. As if Cracker Barrel somehow is the end of the line end goal. Joke's on you OP, the only restaurants in this town are six Cracker Barrels in each opposite direction. You'll never find another job anywhere. Our next story is, Out of the Mouths of Babes, or How My One-Year-Old Put My Adult Cousin In Her Place With Just One Word. The timing on this was just too delicious not to share. Also, I'm Australian so it may help to read it in my accent main players my youngest vampyra now 14 months old and my cousin poo covered lou or pcl who is an olympic aspirant in the heavyweight competitive child rearing event but struggles with poonamis and appears to have a chronic case of verbal diarrhea every time she opens her mouth some crap comes out of it vampy is at the age where she's starting to walk and talk not as soon or as well as pcl's pair of prodigies of course who are apparently attracting interest from NBA scouts in the Australian ballet at the ages of eight and five. They apparently recited Shakespeare in the womb. In contrast, Vampy's only learned how to say one thing, nai she says it when she goes to bed and she says nai when one of the cats curls up for a nap.
0: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Recently, we had a Zoom call with my fiance Martin's parents in the UK, and when they said goodnight, Vampy said "night-night" and curled up on the couch to show them how she goes to sleep at bedtime. So, my terrifying sister hosted a family and close friends party over the weekend to celebrate Martin and I getting engaged. PCL doesn't like my sister, but she came to the party anyway and mostly hid in the kitchen nursing a case of crap on the liver. Every now and then she would wander out and try to start some drama and someone would shut her down, usually my terrifying sister. After a while, poo-covered Lou resorted to trying to attract attention by teaching Vampy to talk. Vampy was between my dad and I on the lounge when PCL pounced. She was almost standing over us, waving a couple of toys at Vampy and saying in a loud voice, Can you say Teddy? Waves the Teddy. Can you say Dolly? Waves the doll. Both dad and I were telling her, not now, go away. But poo-covered Lou kept up with the Teddy, Dolly thing a couple more times. Through all this, Vampy was staring at her, making not one sound. Pooh-Covered Lou finally spluttered to a stop after one last, Have you had her hearing checked? This is when Vampy delivered the filthiest look I've ever seen from a baby, before saying, "Nai-nai," loud and clear, then turning away and burying herself in my lap, and refusing to look at Pooh-Covered Lou again. You know, I almost felt sorry for Pooh-Covered Lou, being so thoroughly dissed by a one-year-old. But that didn't stop me from laughing harder when my terrifying sister told pcl well you got her to say something as she retreated back to the kitchen bonus drama from pcl because of course this wasn't pcl's only attempt to stir up drama she also tried to stir up drama about my surname after i get remarried it's not changing the age gap between martin and myself again i'm a week and a half older than him making me a cougar and martin my toy boy Diamond engagement rings, neither of us is getting an engagement ring and not getting the message about wearing animal print. If my sister and brother-in-law in in the UK and my brother and sister-in-law in in Canada can read the message in the group chat and turn up on Zoom wearing animal print, then PCL can too. My Canadian sister-in-law looked resplendent in leopard print. She said it was a matter of national pride. Now, obviously, I don't think my memories really extend all the way back to being a toddler, but just me being me, I can already tell you, if I were in a situation like Vampy, I would not want some stranger I hardly know up in my face, waving around this doll and saying, Can you say dolly? Can you say this or that? I just know that kind of thing would have made me incredibly uncomfortable, and I would have wanted to deny nine too. Our next story is Christmas Gift Revenge. This was about 23 years ago. My husband was lousy at giving gifts. He would get what he wanted for himself. That year, I came home to a large box wrapped up about 10 days before Christmas and he said it was for me. He was so excited. Mind you, we've always been pretty broke. So we, or should I say I, always bought for our children and his greedy family. Mother-in-law demands. We always did without. For some reason, I wasn't that excited about this gift. Intuition well christmas eve comes and we open gifts he gets all excited telling me that i'm going to love this present i open the box to find a shop vac we had hardwood and linoleum so i always swept and mopped and had no need for it he told me that it's wonderful because it cleans up the garage his domain even picks up water and he said it worked great because he already tried it before wrapping it up i was ticked he bought it for himself I would have been happy with a $5 necklace that turned my neck green. That night I wouldn't even go to bed with him. He comes into the living room where I was laying down at and told me to come to bed. I told him I wouldn't because I couldn't look at him. He then tells me how I was extremely selfish because gifts were to be what we as a family could use, not what we would want. I laid there all night and plotted my revenge. I had to wait for a year but, like they say, best served cold. I kept quiet and told nobody of my plan for revenge. 50 weeks later, I found it. I wasn't even looking for it, but it was staring right at me as to say, here I am and it is time. It was in a huge box. I quickly purchased the gift, got some wrapping paper for it and hid it. Didn't want any sneaky peats. Christmas Eve, while he was at work, I put the present under the tree, took two rolls of cheap wrapping paper and I put some ribbon and a bow on it. It also had a nice weight for it we start opening gifts and i wait a bit finally his eyes light up seeing this big box and finding out it was his he was so excited and i told him that this is especially bought for him he opens the box to find a case of toilet paper i then quoted him christmas was not for what we would want but what we as a family need or could use we all wipe he was furious he complained to his brothers and everyone My family and his brothers told him that he deserved the toilet paper. To this day, no husband in my family will ever buy a vacuum cleaner for their wives as gifts. All I'm saying is there was a point in my life where my mom expressly asked for a vacuum cleaner. So the point to be learned here is not that a vacuum cleaner is a bad gift, it's just it has to be something that the person actually would want. Our next story is, don't get into an annoying toy war with my mom. So when my brother, my parent's first child, was a toddler, my cousin decided to buy him a special gift for Christmas. It was a purple Sesame Street saxophone that you couldn't remove the batteries from. If you pressed the buttons, it made noise. It according to my mom was loud as freak. It annoyed my parents to the point that it mysteriously vanished one day and was never seen again. The following Christmas, mom got revenge she bought my cousin's son a full drum set. And I mean a full expensive butt drum set. He played it for years before it broke. They lived in a small house with no garage, so he was playing it in the living room at all hours. Needless to say, no one has ever tried to give annoying toys to any of us since, and my cousin now hates the drums. Don't dish out what you can't take back, I suppose. I mean, I kind of feel bad for that kid. If they used it enough that it was genuinely annoying to them that kid surely did like that sesame street saxophone i mean god forbid the number of saxabooms in the world continue to decline and jack black can no longer pull off his solos our next story is i moved my crazy father's stuff around i grew up in an extremely dysfunctional home my father abused me and my mom Verbally, physically, it's clear to me now that he had an undiagnosed mental illness which caused him to believe the house was under surveillance or that there were people out to get him. Because of this, we lived in a constant state of fear. Obviously, as a child, options for fighting back were limited, but the crazy idiot was super paranoid, which created an opportunity. So sometimes I would sneak into a study and move things around. Nothing drastic, just a pack of staples or a pen that I'd put on the opposite side of his desk. It would drive him nuts when he saw it. I'd wager that this memory of my petty revenge has done me as much good over the years as the 10 years of therapy plus meds I had to take. I really do think in situations like this, there can be little things or tricks somebody does and finds that really can just kind of help them keep it all together when having to go through day after day of this kind of treatment. This next story is invite two guys to the same dance, have fun dancing by yourself. Alright, I'll try to keep this one short and sweet, but it was still a pretty fun time. A couple of weeks ago, I went dancing at a place I'd never been before. Unfortunately for me, almost everyone there had a partner but I was able to find a very attractive girl to dance with. I'll call her Brittany for the sake of the story. Brittany was hot and knew how to dance incredibly well. Those were good things. Unfortunately for me, I got lulled right in and asked for her number, which I got. A week or two goes by and she texts me saying that she wants to go dancing again. That's great. I get to the dance and she says she's going to be late because she's getting food. It seems a little weird that she would delay showing up to the dance with someone she invited in order to eat first, but hey, maybe she was so busy she didn't have time to grab anything. So I walk in and sit down in the corner, waiting for her to arrive. Similarly to the last time I attended, pretty much everyone has a partner, so there's only me and one other guy there who are waiting for someone to show up. He comes up and sits down by me and we get to chatting. I'll call him Matt. We're small talking a bit and it turns out we both are named Matt. We've both been going dancing for a similar amount of time, and we were both there waiting for a girl. A moment of realization dawns on me. I just ask, Brittany? He nods his head yes and smiles at me. He was actually a super cool guy, so we chatted for a bit. I was going to get up and leave, but then he suggested something even better, waiting until she got there and then both leaving together. So we waited for her to show up, then left as she was setting some of her things down. I gave other Matt a good handshake before we parted ways. It still feels kind of sucky, but at least we both got to leave on our own terms instead of both getting played by the same woman. So I don't really understand what Britney's end goal was. She found two almost identical people and was going to show up to the dance and then what? Like Was she just doing it just to get a laugh? Honestly I thought this story was going to transition into a Matt V Matt love story. This next story is, found out my boyfriend was advertising himself as poly, gave him a self-help book. My boyfriend at the time had told me we were in a monogamous relationship. I then found out he was on the app Field, saying he was polyamorous and interested in groups, watching, sensual, etc. I confronted him about it and gave him the ethical tramp to educate him on what polyamory actually is, aka telling each partner about the others and keeping the lines of communication open. I found it ultimately very funny that he was advertising himself as this sexually open person given how closed and possessive he was in our relationship. I also thought it was funny to call him a tramp because even though I have no problem with people being sexually open or poly, I don't care who or how many people someone had boinked, It is trampy in a negative sense to lie and cheat, especially given that he refused to wear a condom with me and claimed that I was the only person he was interested in hooking up with. Definitely that last detail is the most grody part of this whole thing. You walk away from that situation feeling like, yeah, you got your revenge, but is his revenge on you going to kick in a month or two down the road? Our next story is, my roommate poured his dip into my drink. Back post-college, My roommate thought it would be funny to pour his dip spitter into my can of monster I'd opened next to my bed when I was in the bathroom. I drank it and almost puked. Lots of dry heaving. I could hear him laughing as he came into my room, like a prank reveal. I got pretty mad at that, so for revenge, I waited for him to leave the house. I took a poo without wiping, went into his bedroom, took his pillowcase and turned it inside out. I then wiped myself all over it, turned it right side in put it back on, and waited for him to come home. Anyway, I went to sleep before he got back, but was awoken by him saying he had to go to the doctor for pink eye two days later. Freaker. Surely, even if they were in an inebriated state, they would be able to smell that the pillow they're going to lay their head on reeks, right? I mean, what did you do, wipe and then spray it with every ounce of Febreze you have in the place? I just don't understand how they could still get in the bed and not notice it our next story is another tale of not getting paid many moons ago i worked at a little neighborhood dive bar i opened the bar at 6 a.m and worked until 2 when the other bartender came in my regulars were old folks bikers and construction guys who came in when the weather stopped their work i never met the bar owners the other bartender would give me my check each week one day the beer vendor shows up but insisted on cash on delivery this had not occurred during my six months or so of working there then the liquor guys did the same thing each time i would have to call the other bartender and get approval for these payments if i even had the cash on hand curious but crap happens didn't really think much about it until i got a call at the bar one morning asking for the owner told them the owner wasn't in could i take a message sure tell them their one-way tickets to another country are reserved for the next day i mentioned this to one of the regulars who informed me the owners were running from something or someone I won't go into detail here and asked if I'd been paid recently. I told him I hadn't been paid for two weeks. He told me good luck in getting paid. Oh, really? So I decided my last day was going to be a party. I gave away drinks for hours. Word got out as to what I was doing and the other bartender showed up at noon. I told him I wanted my paycheck now. He pulled cash from the safe and gave me my two weeks pay. I poured myself a drink and toasted my regulars and left. The bar did indeed shut down that day, but I got paid. Honestly, as long as you got that money, I say everything is right in the world. Good luck to them and whatever shady business they're getting wrapped up into. Our next story is Fishing Hole Catch Many cities have spots or fishing holes on certain roads where the police love to sit at and catch speeders. I used to live in Toronto, and for those of you who live there, you know that one of the favorite fishing holes is at the east end of the Bloor Viaduct a main east-west route in the city. On Sunday morning I'd gone west into the city and seen them setting up their trap. About an hour later I'm heading back and there's some jerk sitting right on my tail all the way to the lights just before the bridge. At this point the road opens up from one lane to three lanes and at the red light the jerk decides to go into the lane on my right. By the way I'm on a motorcycle with a lot of low end torque and he's in some kind of expensive car, think BMW slash Audi. The light changes to green and I gun it beat him off the line, but the moment I hit 50 kilometers per hour, the speed limit, I roll off the throttle. The jerk keeps accelerating and is probably going 80 by the time he's on the bridge. Sure enough, the cop lights up and steps out, signaling him over. As I go by, I downshift, gun the engine, and go on my merry way, my version of petty revenge. It's always an incredibly satisfying story when there's some road-raging absolute jerk Who you know you can pull the what are you chicken maneuver to them and they'll get all wrapped up and they'll lose themselves and do something stupid and just get themselves in trouble. Our next story is birthday pettiness. My mother has this friend, let's call her Laura, who is a, well, not one of the people who I like. This story takes place in my sister, let's call her Nicole's 11th birthday. Laura invited my mother, Nicole, and I for her daughter's first birthday party. Her daughter and Nicole's birthday are five days apart. No big deal. However, the party would be just on Nicole's birthday because it happened to be on the weekend. Mind you, Laura always remembered my birthday, but not the same for Nicole. My mother didn't say anything. I don't know why, maybe she didn't want to cause issues, as Laura can be, or is, a very difficult person to deal with. I was fuming. We were supposed to celebrate Nicole's birthday but now we had to spend our time celebrating somebody else's birthday. Nicole was visibly upset but what choice did she have? We arrive at the party and I take Nicole to sit with our friends. Our table only had people of our age, 11 to 15 year olds I think. At one point I can't hold myself anymore. Laura can't acknowledge Nicole's day? I'm going to do it myself then. I start to sing happy birthday for her and other friends who knew what day it was started singing along. We attract some attention and after we're done singing, we go back to chatting and minding our own business. Nothing big, but I remember Laura's expression being something of confusion. Then, like she remembered something, she wasn't happy, but hey, it wasn't even five minutes that we sang. Laura hasn't changed to this day, but my sister and I still laugh about this birthday some years later. Does everybody else agree that this really is on the mom for really not, like, at least mentioning it? I mean, I guess it's one thing if they still go and prioritize this other person's birthday, but really, like, they should have just said, hey, it's my daughter's birthday, we're going to do something else, understandably. Our next story is food for thought. My cousin is always coming over to my house, and he thinks he can just help himself to food when he's here. Literally, the real-life Joey from Friends walking into Monica's apartment and helping himself. He has a real sweet tooth and eats everything and anything savory or with chocolate on it, which takes me to my revenge. I had got a chocolate fountain as a birthday gift and had been making some hot dogs that day for lunch. You can probably guess where I'm going. One of the hot dogs, Bun and all, went through the fountain and now looked like a delicious chocolate cake, which I'd left to harden because I knew this greedy cousin was coming over later to play some video games. I left the cake sitting in my kitchen and had put the fountain away, so he didn't know I had it at this point. And no joking, the first thing he did when he walked in was go straight to the kitchen and grab a can of coke and took the bait. I heard him gagging and then start shouting from the living room and I just couldn't hold my laugh in. You'd really have to know him and have been there to see how perfect the plan worked out. It honestly couldn't have went any better as far as petty revenge goes. Safe to say he will be thinking twice in the future about just helping himself to any food in my house. I think it goes without saying for most civilized humans that you don't just visit somebody else's house and immediately start raiding their fridge or pantry. You're not Shaggy Rogers, alright? This next story is Hot Ham Sandwich. Back in 2013, I was starting a new job and knew in advance that there was a communal fridge in the break room. So, on my first day of work, I brought a ham sandwich and chips with me for lunch. The ham sandwich was in a plastic ware container that had my name and Sharpie on the lid. Come lunchtime, I joined some co workers in the break room, grabbed my container, and instantly noticed it is way too light. Sure enough, My sandwich was gone. To say I was ticked was an understatement. This was not your typical store bought ham. It was a salt cured ham that I particularly love and splurge on very rarely. The next day, I brought another ham sandwich to work, made with deli ham that I bought that night, and I left it in a similarly marked container. Sure enough, my sandwich had been taken and the container put back in the fridge. This time I wasn't angry, I wasn't even upset, I was happy. One of my co-workers asked why i was smiling and i told her that i'd slathered dave's insanity sauce on the sandwich just to be on the safe side after that i started keeping my lunch in a cooler tote at my desk i was not going to risk someone else's revenge i never did see anyone in the office with a burning mouth or hear anyone screaming from the bathroom due to a fiery rear end but i don't mind i got my revenge So, OP story here kind of makes me feel about a thought I've had about a lot of other hot food revenge stories, where I'm somebody that's pretty sensitive to spicy things. I feel like if I were the thief and I went and I took one bite out of the sandwich, I'd be able to tell that A, it's incredibly spicy, be able to stop, and probably cool down enough to compose myself. I think to really catch this person, you have to find them like the moment after they took that first bite. Either that or they love Dave's Insanity Sauce. Our next story is polite, well-mannered, petty revenge, that's our boys, not Buckety. It's summer down under and that means it's cricket season. My son Marty and my stepson Kyle, both 16, are either going to cricket practice, going to games or going around to their friends' houses to have a hit. This means they're often on the bus coming back to our place at around the same time as a woman will call Karen. I have no idea of her real name, but that will give you a bit of an idea of what she's like. I'd say she's in her mid-30s. Karen is nearly always seen pushing an enormous pram pusher, absolutely loaded with bags and a child stuffed deep inside it. I do know the child's name, but for the sake of anonymity, I'll call her Boudica. Again to give you a bit of an idea, Budika looks to be primary school aged, but I don't remember ever seeing her walking. My fiancé Martin says he saw Boudica walking once, but Karen kept telling her not to get her shoes dirty. In the five or so years I've lived in the area, I've had a number of run-ins with Karen. Karen always, always, always has to get on the bus first. When I was in a full leg brace and using crutches, she almost knocked me over trying to get on the bus first. Then she called me rude for getting on the bus ahead of her. She's also big on telling kids on the bus that young people have no manners. Last week, I was in the supermarket with my youngest, Vampira, one-year-old female, when Karen almost ran into the back of me with her pram pusher and then told me to watch where you're going. So I felt a deep and pleasant sense of schadenfreude when Marty and Kyle came home last night and told me what they'd been doing. Apparently, Karen is notorious for not pressing the bell for her stop until the very last second. That section of road is quite busy, so with traffic and parked cars the drivers often can't stop in time so then karen has a go at them for not stopping exactly at the stop now she's going to get mud on the pusher she's going to complain to the manager legit the drivers are stupid and she'll often insist they have to turn around and come back to her stop this makes everyone else on the bus angry so for weeks now one of the boys has been pressing the bell for her nice and early saying i think this is your stop They both smile and wave at her and tell her to have a nice evening as she gets out. And for weeks now, Karen has been sending both of the boys and the bus driver dirty looks. Because what can she do? She can't yell at them for being polite and considerate, and she can't yell at the driver for stopping at her stop. Apparently last night she cracked it, when the bus driver and one of the other passengers praised Kyle and Marty for their good manners and said their parents taught them well. Evil supervillain voice. Oh yes, they are well versed in the art of petty revenge. Karen lost her crap in the street, but the driver just shut the door and drove off. Marty and Kyle came home bursting with pride at how they got back at Karen. Of course, we're both very proud parents, but never more proud than when Martin asked them, So what are you going to do next time you're on the bus with her? And Kyle and Marty said exactly the same thing. If you want to turn taking public transport on a bus into a fun time, it's the ample opportunity to get back at this Karen every single time they're there by hitting that button early. Watching them flare up, having to scoot that stroller on down there and make that long trek. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.